Alright, thanks everybody for coming over here. We got a nice small crowd, which is not a bad thing. Get some passionate people to hang out. Let's go talk about some games. Um, so I'm Jeffrey Whitenhagen. I have nine books published, soon to be ten books published on retro gaming. Um, here at the convention, I have the second time uh, at a convention that I brought my complete SNES Nintendo collector's book. Definitive edition where I put in 130 pages of Super Famicom uh, on top of every license, unlicensed, and then the like everything on Super The comprehensive guide. I do all my guides affordably so everybody can enjoy them. Um, and uh, with me today, I have uh, Radical Reggie. Talk about the book, you know, I've actually wrote a couple of reviews in the book, very proud of that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been super cool to be able to, um, throughout the years, meet so many cool people at conventions, right. and then just like, everybody's like, yeah, I'll write a review for the book, and yep. then like, we all just hit it off and hang out. And Yeah, it was nice for everybody to come together and just kind of like, help with the book and everything, it just made things mm-hmm. a lot faster, which was cool. Um, um, yeah, very impressed with the book. I, I, I looked at it and I found so many games that I'd never heard of, and I just seen the reviews that people put in. Yeah. Kind of really pumped me up to say, I got to look for these games. I want, I want to try this out. So I was very happy with the book. I, I think the, the coolest part was is that like my original book idea was a Nintendo collector's book that I could fit in my pocket at mm-hmm. conventions because I kept getting the same Ninja Gaiden 2 manual because I didn't think I had it. And I'd be like, damn. <laughs> like, because I'd, I'd never take the time to look on my app that I have. I had a giant app on Google Docs, and I never took the time because I never used it. And it's like, and I was like, well, what do I want to do for that? So I had a pocket guide, and I, I created it, but then everybody liked the giant coffee table books that I was doing. Right. And it just got crazy because through um, my first book that was published, Hidden Treasures, um, I met the guy who does the art for Garbage Pail Kids who did, then did the artwork for my first like release that I did. Nice. And it was really crazy. Well, I wanted to ask you, what inspired you to actually write the books? Like, what kind of, like, really, like, say, you know what, I want to write this, I want to put this... So, the original, original book, um, that it was published in Europe, actually, and nobody knew about it because the publishing company folded. Mm-hmm. It's Pixel Nation Publishing. Okay. Folded, like, as they released it. So it never got anywhere. Um, and that's actually the book that we'll be talking about, like my next release. Right. That's fully funded already on Kickstarter. But um, after that, like, and, and that was created because I ran a website, VG Masters Club, mm-hmm. and had like a million hits a day because I created code for emulation in the browser. Right. I'm the guy who created that. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you can't make money on it because it's not legal. And I was like just doing it for fun because it's like a proof of concept. And so then after I like, the fees for servers became too expensive. I was like, I could no longer maintain that website because right. like everybody was just able to play the emulation in a browser without having to download a game. Right. But I had all these articles that I've been writing. I've been writing for years, and all those articles kind of went away. Like everything. It wasn't even on archive. Like the, the Wayback Machine wasn't mm. even on there. So I'm like, luckily I held on to a lot of them, and I always wrote about hidden treasures, hidden right. gaming gems. So I was like, I, I put that all into like a book format mm-hmm. and a publishing company took it and ran with it and it was pretty cool but never went anywhere <laughs> and since i already knew how to make that version right. i went and did the complete nes and because i wanted a pocket guide there were some books out there like uh, one of the authors is here brett wise had like a nintendo book but it was all text and i'm like yeah people want to see like the pictures they want to see like what the game looks like all that yeah. that really pumps them up so when seeing the box art and then the corresponding screenshots for each game. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even I forgot some of the games. I'm like, oh, my God, this game looks really? amazing. Or, like, thinking about games I was talking with. Actually, a gentleman right here that came in, we were talking about uh, Kiwi Craze. And, like, yes. the stuff you see it, and you're yeah. like, what the heck is this? Because <laughs> you see the crazy box art. It's this awesome mm-hmm. art. Yeah, right. And it's, like, it's, it's really interesting. So, so I wanted the pocket guide. And I had put checkboxes on there for card box manual because right. I wanted to keep track in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And then, does that necessarily translate to a giant, awesome, beautiful coffee table book that black people don't want to mark in? <laughs> and it's like, 
Yes or no? Because I can. I, I've actually provided stampers now where people can stamp. Right. And then now it's so glossy that the stamp doesn't work too well. You can do like vinyl stickers even. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, but it's it. interesting to see people's mentality. Like, I don't want to write in it because it's too cool. And it's like, well, that was the initial idea. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, like, yeah. what what is a video game? I, I think I know the answer already. But what mm-hmm. do you think is more popular video game retro video game wise right now that people are looking for? Is like is it the Nintendo and Super Nintendo books? Well. So I did the Nintendo book just out of necessity, right? right. And then I let backers choose. Okay. So I do everything on Kickstarter crowdfunding, and I'm like, all right, so what do you want to see next? Everybody's like, Super Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And it went, like, it was ridiculous. So I started working on it immediately. Right. And through that, though, I also wanted to play the rest of the Nintendo library. And I'm a huge Nintendo homebrew collector. So that's why my NES Oddities book, which I have here, I did that book because I wanted the rest of the NES library because I'm like, well, now I, I want to have it all. Yeah. And so, like, after that, I, could, I put everything in here because I realized how fun it was to find the Famicom games that don't require Japanese to enjoy, which right. is what I did. I handpicked out and played every Famicom game, mm-hmm. which was more than NES releases on, on the U.S. on the Famicom. Really? Way more, like double almost. Okay. And I played it, and I was like, all right, this game is way too text-heavy. I'm not enjoying it off the list and I just went through every single game so nice. not only did I play every game but I played every game like multiple times right. and some games like if there's differences I, cl- I included it like uh, Probotector for example on the Which PAL is, exclusive yes. mm-hmm. it's the version of Contra in the UK where they didn't use people because at the time censorship and all of that yeah it is kind of cool, though. I mean, the ro- robots. The it's game, cool. It is cool, but... And there's a few games like that that have a unique flavor. So I included those, too, because why not? It's a cool thing to collect. Right. Because to me, it's like an aspect. And then the other thing people ask me is, why are you only writing little blurbs? So if you look in here, like, the blurbs are, are pretty small, like three, four sentences. And the idea was is that... It keeps it nice and concise, yeah. and I'm not sitting there writing an opinionated piece on something, and maybe I trash your favorite game. Yeah, because if you eventually if you write longer than what those in those little paragraphs, it's gonna you're gonna start putting your opinion in there. You start putting so. your opinion, and I always think back to the like the attention span of a normal person. Right. Not just talking about us obsessive gamers, but like this is created for everyone. Like anybody can open it up, read about Mario, and be like, yes, I remember playing that, and it's like it's just a nostalgia kick. Very. And then the artwork just kills. And it's like, and then you go to the other regions and you go to Super Famicom games in here. And it's like, there's so many games that I had no clue existed until I played it. Mm-hmm. So it's also like a greedy thing. I want to play everything too. And yeah. I, I get so much enjoyment because how often do you, Reggie, have play like ROMs on emulation or an EverDrive where you can play it all on the cartridge and you just flip through the games and never really give it much time, right? Right. Like, you exactly. do that? Sometimes, you know. Um, you know, it's like uh, it's it's easier to do it that way, kind of when you want to kind of like find some of the games mm-hmm. that you're looking for in there. Because buying these games sometimes could be they could be hard to find or maybe a little yep. expensive or whatever. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I like doing it like that. I think we were talking about it earlier over at my table that um, back in the day when we would rent a game, we would have that one game for the weekend, and that would be the only thing we have. But now we have the entire library of every retro system at yeah. our fingertips. Yes. And you don't give it the time of day, and. Literally making the books, I give every game the time of day. I was, I was, um, because I'm working on the next book after the book that we're going to talk about, and my next complete series book is going to be the complete Genesis. So I'm going to take yes. a Genesis book, and I, pl- I spent four hours on Airbuster at the airport because I nice. brought my modded Nomad that Dirk over here sitting, uh, modded to put a lithium ion battery in it so that way it can hold a charge for more than an hour. <laughs> Man, I'm excited for that book. Wow, the Genesis Dude. book. That's uh. Where I've been looking at right now, so it's been so fun writing really? about it, and also realize that I played every single Super Nintendo game. So all those games that are parallel, like I was playing Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, and I'm like, man, this controls just as bad as the other one. Or, like, <laughs> but there's been some so far in the A's because I'm going alphabetically. Right. Uh, there's some in the A's that like they it's a little bit better on the Genesis. The music kicks a little bit better. That's a little fair when it comes to difficulty, mm-hmm. um, and vice versa too. And it was, it was one of those things where I was at a panel over in Syracuse with Thor Ackerland, and somebody was trying to trash the Genesis on music compared to the Super Nintendo. I'm like, dude, Ooh, you never right? played the Genesis. Yeah. There are some kicking tracks on the Genesis. Like, the bass on some of those 
Like, Seriously, if you, if you, you know how to program for it too. I mean, Street to Rage two, and even Street to Rage three. That's oh, a good example of, so of great good. music on the system. Sonic two, Sonic yeah. one. I mean, that music is a stellar. So if you can't tell, I love video games just like everybody else. Like, so it's <laughs> like I'm gonna do every system ever. Nice. Like just because, and eventually I'll get them all out. Like it's gonna take me a couple years for Genesis for sure. It takes me. It took me like three years to get that, plus then another year to get the Super Famicom. Like to this is like the third release was the. Uh, was the definitive edition, um, but yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Um, so the the book that's coming out is called Hidden Gaming Gems, Generation by Generation. So it's a re-release of my original book, Hidden Treasures, right? But the generational thing is go from the first generation of gaming, the Pong, all the way to Switch. First, it was Pong to PS3 because that's when it originally <laughs> released. It's like Pong to PS3, you got everything in there. But now it's all the way up to the Switch. And indie games and brand new games. I have a whole chapter on that, too. You know, thinking about Pong, man, you know. <laughs> like, what could you write on Pong, I'm right? just I just remember the first time I played it, and I was like, wow, man, I really should go outside and play. I was like a little kid, because I was like, Pong is so, like, you know, like, just basic. Yeah. You know, so I was like, wow. I was like, so, so the, I, don't, I don't know where I was going with it. I was just, you thought, <laughs> when you said Pong, I was like, it's man, like so wow. basic. Yeah, so basic. Imagine where we've came from now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and so the interesting part was, is like, I don't know a whole lot of, Pong in the first generation. So when I started the original book, I started in second generation with Atari. Now I've met so many people at conventions. I met Leonard Herman, the game scholar, and he wrote the first chapter because he wrote 30 years ago the book on the history of console gaming. So he contributed that whole first chapter for me. Nice. And it's so cool. Like that's the guy who like hung out with Ralph Bear and helped him write his book. Oh, and right? he has the one of the brown box prototypes, and he has like cool stuff. And I, I was at a few conventions with him on the East Coast because he lives out there, and he's such a cool dude. And it's like the people you meet at these conventions. It's like that makes it the best thing. That's why you come out and just hang out, and some of us stay out way too late. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only one here, like first thing in the morning. I'm like, uh, I just drank some coffee. I'll be all right. I'm usually uber crazy. I'm just be normal crazy today. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Hidden Gaming Gems is cool. It's on um, four to eight page reviews, though. So a little bit different than like, you know, collector's books where I'm writing paragraph. Now it's going to be some opinionated pieces, get a little bit thorough, but it's also full art. So there's plenty of artwork. So um, just real quick, I wanted to ask any of you, you guys don't have to answer either. I mean, a book like this, has it helped you guys find a lot of games that you have wanted to, like, actually, like, might have wanted to play? You know? In my case, it's just usually I just don't. If Stumble upon seen, it. If I never, if I've never seen it, mm-hmm. so I just pick it up just I, you know, just out of curiosity. Like, okay, I've never seen this. Let's see where that goes. But sometimes, like, <laughs> you'll go back to one of these references and see, oh, here's something I've never heard of, and then maybe you'll stumble upon it in the wild. Like, oh, I'm gonna give it a shot. Yeah. Well, some of the I, games that I've came across, mm-hmm. um, it was like one of those that like everybody knows Ghosts and Goblins, right? Mm-hmm. Did you know that there's a Ghosts and Goblins on the Wonder Swan? Does anybody oh. know what the Wonder Swan is? Yep. So Wonder Swan was created by Gunpei Yokoi, <laughs> yep. the creator of the Game Boy after he left Nintendo mm-hmm. unceremoniously, and he created a handheld. Um, I personally went right to the Wonder Swan color, because I'm like, I'm going to get the latest and greatest. Well, the original Wonder Swan was monochrome like the Game Boy. They had a Makamura on it, and it is the fourth Ghost and Goblins game. It's a brand new game, has yep. giant boss sprites. Yep. The, the graphics, the pixel graphics are mm-hmm. so well done. Like, it is its own game, and, like, nobody really knows it exists except for people that stumble across it. Right. And it's, like, <laughs> it's such a meta thing that I'm, like, I am obsessed with Ghosts and Goblins. I had Ghosts and Goblins as a kid on the NES, and I had no clue about this game. And I always thought Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins was the fourth game. It's, like, no, there's this Makamura. There's another one. Um, Ghosts and Goblins, the first one I actually got into was Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, yeah. Which is, I guess it's considered the third game. Um, man, that game is scary. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, do you, does anybody remember, remember the intro where it shows the uh, castle in the far distance and something is coming towards the castle slowly? Oh, yeah. And it shows Arthur and the, and the princess, like, 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 standing next to each other, and then something just keeps getting closer. That scared the heck out of me when I was a kid. It's still kind of scary now. Yeah. I think I was, like, 11 years old. I was at the house alone, and it just, man, it just tripped me out. I'll never forget that, but... Awesome game. That was the first one I got into, and then I went back and played the other ones, and it's such a great series. Um, hopefully someday I can play the Wonder Swan version. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. 
It's it's really interesting too because you would think it wouldn't hold up on the tiny screen. Yeah, but it, it works well. Mm -hmm. And the original black and white one, monochrome one's not backlit either, so it makes for fun. <laughs> um, it is on Raspberry Pi though, so there is a way for you to play it on the full screen. No, yeah. there's no lag on the Wonder Swan mm -hmm. emulator or anything. So right. there is a way to play it full screen mm -hmm. and gigantic. But then you got to sit all across like the room from it because otherwise the graphics are way too big at right. that point. <laughs> it just blows you away with these giant squares. Um, but that's that's an example of like a random game that I played, and right. and it's like there's some more well known games. I mean, uh, in my original release of the book, a guy covered is Eric Bailey from Ninten like Nintendo Legend Skirmish Frogs now, mm -hmm. but like a long time ago, he covered Star Tropics. And I was like, it's always underappreciated because I was like underappreciated games, people that nobody gives love to. Um, one that Sergio who played the hologram, Sergio and the holograms that he covered, uh, River City Ransom. And when he, when he pitched it to me, I'm like, pitch it to me. Because people know about River City Ransom. It yeah. isn't hidden. <laughs> like, yeah. But he's, he's talking about the underappreciated aspect. And like nobody knows the aspects that he enjoys about it. So right. anything can really be justifiable unless you're talking like Mario 3. Or something that has like a system seller. Go ahead. I kind of think what makes you know, books like these important is that, you know, us in the room, we're, we're quite a bit older. We're in our 30s, 40s. Yeah. But you've got the new generation of gaming and they don't know 90% of the older games and yeah. so the books like that help validate like my opinion like I was telling these internet kids I talked to about Boogerman they wanted nothing <laughs> to do with Boogerman yeah no one nothing to do and with Boogerman like, so it's good to get these opinions from other people and be like no look it really is good you should give it a try yeah, yeah. Definitely, right? Solid platformers. And it's like... Seriously. And the interesting aspect, too, is covering the Switch already. And, like... But the thing is, is that it is quickly getting oversaturated in the indie de indie scene now. It's almost turning into a mini Steam already. Yeah, it's At first, it was like, oh, I was liking everything on the, on the library. Mm -hmm. And there was one game right before the Flood that I played. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Slain. Yeah, yeah. Game. Oh my god, like, like number one, it's like Metalhead style. Yep. Um, if you played Wolf Child on the Super Nintendo, yeah. that would be an example. But you play this like rocker metalhead dude with a giant sword, and you take these demons and you split them in half with your sword, and they bleed everywhere. And there's mm -hmm. traps that you explode into, and it goes, Slay when you die. It's and, like, yeah, it's a slay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's, it's so cool, though. It's like, and it's just those games are going to be kind of oversaturated for a while, which is unfortunate, but then it gives us something to talk about, for here's sure. The, here's the thing with that, too. It's kind of funny. You know, it is oversaturated, but if certain games get a physical release, you know, like yeah. the game got a physical, that's good. Some games don't make it to get that physical. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, a lot of digital games are forgotten about. They're easy to forget, forget about because they don't really exist. They're not physical, so you can't really... They could pull them from you. You don't really own them. You know, you know so. what we call that, right? The Scott Pilgrim versus the World concept. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, that's, <laughs> everybody knows Scott that's Pilgrim the, versus the World 360. You that can't was one of the main games. It's like known for, for being pulled, and you know, like I remember. This, here's a funny story about it. Uh, me and my buddy shared accounts at the time, so he bought the game on his account, and I bought the DLC on my account. Yeah. So when he lost his account, like I lost the game pretty much. So it's like, yeah. you know, like, that was it. I couldn't re-download it. And that game is so well done. And there's no way to play it. It's like... No way to play it unless, like... Ah, it's killer. You already own it, you know, so it's kind of sad. So that's why when it comes to digital games like that, I kind of, like, don't look at all those. You know, just I wait for the ones that come out on physical. And, and it seems like with the Switch, there's now not just limited run games, but there's Super Rare, there's like a bunch, even, um, what is it, uh, Play Asia's doing their own uh, exclusives. East Asia Soft, uh, East Strictly Asia Soft. Limited, yeah, there's, there's which is Which there. is awesome, though. I mean, it's oversaturated to the point where I can't keep up. Yeah. I, I can't get the LEs, because they're all doing awesome looking LEs. I can't do it, but I can definitely buy the ones that I'm passionate about already. True. And then people make recommendations, like uh, Reggie over there on the Metal Jesus channel, making <laughs> crazy recommendations for people. Um, and like, it gives us a reason to dig back in and find them. Right. And it all depends on how rare they make them, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, the funny thing about it, not, try not to go off topic here, but you know, a lot of people, when they say they're limited, a lot of people like buy two and try to like sell oh, the yeah. other one or trade them or whatever, but... The games are widely available. I mean, they're not hard. There's some that are hard to get, like maybe a little expensive, like something like Shantae. Yeah. Most of the games are pretty much just slightly over their original price, so, you know, it's not really... And the reason why the Nintendo games are rare now is because we didn't do that back in the day. There was a couple that had right. the foresight to do it, 
And everybody else, we just played them, got rid of the box, yeah, and mm-hmm. moved on. That's why when we see a box now, it's like, oh, we found a freaking box mm-hmm. for Castlevania Three, or you know what I mean? Like, like you know what I mean? Like we found it, and because it's it's hard to find. Yeah. Now, when you got buy one, save one, like, the stuff will be widely available, especially yeah. with that. If everybody does it, it's mm-hmm. going to be like 90s comics and card trading again. Exactly. <laughs> like, so, so. It's, so it's like, I just buy what I like, is what I do. Mm-hmm. And when I'm playing these, though, like, I'll play everything, but I have to play it on the console, so that makes it tough. Everdrives are great, um, but, like, with the hidden gaming gems, that's, like, really where I like jumping into, because I'm like... Like what you were saying, where I like to just find the stuff randomly in the wild and try it out. So uh, here's a question for you too: yeah. Like playing all the Super Nintendo games that came yeah. out in America, what? This is a weird question. But what percentage would you, of games do you think are were more enjoyable or even playable to where you know like? Uh, there were a lot of sports games. Lots of sports. Lots yeah. of sports games. Um, it was hard because I wanted to, and I did have differences between every version of FIFA. I noted, noted the differences between every version of Madden. And so, that being said, with the Sega Genesis, people might be mad, but all the traditional sports titles, NASCAR, all that stuff's going to be in its own section, just with checkboxes. I'm not writing about them this time. Mm. They're going to be there for collectible purposes in its own section. And then the actual license section is going to be all the games that I want to collect. Like, it's going to be that style. Right. And then those that want to, though, because... Everybody who supports me when it's a pre-order time, so right now Hidden Gaming Gems is pre-order, can mm-hmm. contribute. So right. you can do contribute here, put in your own reviews, you can do your own like reviews on the Genesis game. So in the Super Nintendo one in the back, Dirk knows, you can write about your favorite Super Nintendo game, mm-hmm. and like you get a whole highlight. So if somebody wants to write about NHL 94 on the Genesis, which a lot of people love, they can. Even right. though I, there's not going to be a write-up in the collectible part, they still can talk about their nostalgia with uh, do you feel the new generation of gamers that, you know, like, pretty much, like, do you think, would you rather them start with, the, like, what we started with, like, kind of like, I'm from the Nintendo era, so would you want them to start with those kind of games and then kind of move up to what they have now, kind of, just so they could appreciate what was out there before, because, like she was saying before, it's like, uh, like, maybe only 10% of a young generation knows about, like, appreciates yeah. the old school, the retro scene, so... It's kind of shocking. A couple of people came up to me and said they, they love retro games, which I was like really happy about because they were young. I was like, wow, this is great. Oh, my God. But uh, yeah, I just feel like newer games today, they're just more... They're, they, a lot of them don't even have game over screens anymore. They just let you keep let playing. Let you keep until, playing until yeah, you they, don't, they don't punish you or anything. So it's like, you know... So, so I think that's like almost like a double-sided question. Yeah, Because um, I have a six-year-old. I have a six-year-old daughter. And... I let her find games and what she likes on her own. Oh, okay. So she got completely absorbed and engrossed in Mario Odyssey. And she literally just runs around and does stuff. She mm-hmm. doesn't try to complete anything. She just runs around, throws at stuff, just enjoys it. Yeah. And that's, she just literally just playing it for hours and hours and hours. And if I forced her to go back and play Super Mario Brothers without that and not having any kind of thumb dexterity, she's going to get frustrated. Right. And there's a million other games available we can easily throw in something else. It's mm-hmm. not stuck there where she has to play. And if you're doing that, you're being mean. So I ain't trying to be mean either. Like, like, so yeah, it's, that's the aspect is, is that right. like, unless you're a retro gamer, your, your kids aren't going to be into retro gaming. That being True. said, my daughter is in the front of this book and she was playing Mario Paint on her own while I started it and while I ended it I got the before and the after with two years in between of her playing Mario Paint right next to me while I was nice. working on the book so it was a pretty cool thing nice. and like so yeah she's right there doing it um, playing it and she found Mario Paint she played that one in fun in games mm-hmm. which was interesting because like I play every game and so John Riggs who's here he wrote about fun in games in the Super Nintendo book and he wrote yeah it's not mouse compatible if it was it'd be amazing I'm like Riggs, it, it is mouse compatible. My daughter's literally playing it right now as I'm reading your review. Oh, <laughs> like, I was like, he's wow. like, he's like, oh shit, I didn't know that. I was like, <laughs> he was at a broken mouse. Well, and that's the thing. Like, so there is misinformation online, right? On Wikipedia, so everywhere. Like, there was some um, guys arguing with me on a subreddit or a thread, saying that, oh yeah, this one Super Nintendo game is super scope compatible. It's like T2, the arcade game, or one of those that you would think would be. Yeah. They're like, it absolutely is. And I'm like, no, it's not. I'm literally trying to play it right now. And it's not working with my Super Scope on my CRT. I'm doing it for my book. That is Revolution X, which is amazing. Revolution X yeah. is another one. And they're listed on that as the compatible Super Scope games on the main thread you find on Google. Wow. 
And then so I looked at it. I went and fired up all those games individually. Nope, some of them don't. Now, those games are compatible with the Super Mouse, the Super NES Mouse, which is actually the most optimal way to play that. Mm. It's super cool to play with the mouse because you get really, really uh, tight um, controls mm-hmm. with it. But the thing is, not with the original, but with the new one that Hyperkin did with the actual red diode on it. Because I don't know if you know, they did a re-release of the Super Nintendo mouse. It's a little bit bigger. Really? Yeah. No, that. Yeah, and it's like it's actually the red laser mouse mm-hmm. instead of the ball because the ball would get stuck All with the, the Super. Time. You'd have to clean that sucker out like every yeah. Time. Wow. And so, like, my used... daughter was getting frustrated playing Mario Paint. She was, like, having to roll, and, mm-hmm. like, she would get a little frustrated, but she still played it because she liked it. Mm-hmm. When I got the new mouse, it was a little bit too big for her hand, but she was, like, moving around, like, quickly. Okay. Oh. And the other aspect is, is then also writing about these, and people dogging on games, but, like, Mario <coughs> preschool, fun with letters, fun with numbers. My daughter was playing that when she was in preschool. And it works. <laughs> like, she was learning, like, all of the basics playing that game. And, like, us playing, we're like, oh, that's a garbage game. You know, it's made for kids, but it's made for kids. Like, it's a kid's game. So there's always justification, and anything can have a benefit for a game. Even the worst games, there's somebody who loves that game. It's somebody's gold medal game. Right. Typing of the Dead. Typing of the Dead. Yeah, typing of the Dead, wow. I've had some fun at conventions playing Typing of the Dead with people, and we're sitting next to each other typing as fast as we can. Like, super cool. <laughs> so, Reggie. Yes. What kind of hidden gaming gems are you writing about for the book? You gave me, like, 27. I mean, you literally, that's, like, your niche on Metal Jesus Rock's channel. And, yeah. obviously, he might be going towards something that's on a hat right here, being the PlayStation. Yeah, that's a, that's like, a small hint right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as, as some of you might, might know, I'm an avid PlayStation person. Uh, yeah. And I found out a lot about a lot of games over the past couple of years. And a lot of people don't know about these games. So... One of the games I'll be talking about in the book is Adventures of Little Ralph. Uh, Adventures of Little Ralph is one of the best platform games I've ever played in my life. And uh, it was going to come to America, but unfortunately, thanks to Sony's, uh, their... Uh, <laughs> no their, 2D policy? Yeah, it, it got put on the shelf, uh, like, pretty much in America. So, um, games like that, um, just a lot of cool games, like a shoot-em-up, ups that not, nobody, nobody's heard of, just a lot of things like that. And I think a lot of people will be amazed with what they find in the book. Uh, I mean, because, like, like I said... What was it? Chaos Break? Chaos Break is a survival horror game. It's like, I, it's I, like Resident I, Evil, right? It's like Resident <laughs> Evil mixed with Dino Crisis. Uh, yeah. A very cool game. Uh, He's just showing me these games, and I'm like... It's it's one of those survival horror games with the bad voice acting. But, you know, the bad voice acting is welcome. It's, it's hilarious. So, uh, games like that, uh, shoot 'em ups um, even fighting games, you know? Yeah. It's, it's pretty much all genres that... Uh, that I'm going to put in this book, and hopefully a lot of people will be happy with what they hear about. So I'm pretty pumped. Like, one of the main ones that, um, in that generation that I wrote about was Incredible Crisis. Oh, yeah. So that game is ridiculous. When I played it for the first time, I'm like, what the heck were these guys on? But it's such a fun game, collaboration of mini games you're playing as a family. Right. And, like, it's just a super cool one. Um, another one that's U.S. released, Einhander. Einhander, yep. Einhander, which I literally had on a VHS tape when they promoted Final Fantasy VII. Einhander right. was on that VHS tape, that. and then I never got the game, and then it became super expensive. Yeah. And now I got a copy of it, um, but it's like <laughs> super, super cool to, to dig into it and Yeah, play they went a lot in that game, you know, like 2D, 3D effects. I think it's a little bit of 2D in it, but the 3D effects in that game were, were it's like It's like 2D shooter, but with 3D 3D, like, morphing. Yeah, and, yeah, which exactly. is awesome. It reminds me of Sega Saturn. <laughs> but yeah, there's so many. I, I try to get a little bit from each console myself and then mm-hmm. let the contributors and backers kind of mold those chapters to grow based on what they're currently into. So it'll be interesting to see where the community is right now mm-hmm. because there's going to be a lot of price Super Nintendo <clears throat> 16-bit stuff. Um, there was not a ton of 32-bit. That's going to be like the Reggie chapter and yep. a couple by me. <laughs> it is what it is, though. Right. Um, I wrote about Rez on Dreamcast. I remember Rez, yeah. Yeah, that's an awesome like synthetic or Synthesia, I'm probably saying that completely wrong. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's musical-based third-person shooter, and, like, I literally can beat the game in one setting just sitting there, and it's so engrossive. You just get mm-hmm. mesmerized in a trance when you play it. And they've released it in HD now. They've released other versions. That, yep. And, like, it's one of those things where it's hidden. <laughs> yeah. 
it, it didn't. I don't think it got sold in retail stores. Uh, that one, the new one we're talking about, but it was sold online. So yeah, a lot of people could miss it. it exactly. So it's like crazy to me that like there's so many like different versions of different games too. Mm-hmm. So so one of the games that like was on the original cover of my book that is a cool highlight was PS3, 3D Dot Game Heroes. Oh, my man. God. And I, I might be obsessed with Zelda a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, like, it was crazy because, like, the original cover, they just took a screenshot from that. That's what the publisher did. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized, like, I don't want a publisher. I want to do everything myself, which, you know, I started self-publishing, and then I got too big. And now I have an LLC and a publishing company, and I have a warehouse district, all this craziness I got to deal with. <laughs> like, it's just like, I never thought I would get to that point. Right. But it's like them doing stuff like that where it's like they just use that screenshot instead of getting something cool for the cover. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's why that first release was kind of off to the side. And I, I did put the, the dragon sprite from that screenshot on the back of my new cover. To be fair, though, Atlas does that a lot, though. I mean, if you, if you take a look at some of the history of some of the stuff they've done, Cubivore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Cubivore. Yeah. Cubivore is another one they've done that was just kind of like that. But you still really don't get a feel of what the game is. Um, like, what, 30 set, what was it, uh, 30 Second Hero, something like that. I can't remember the name of the game now. Oh, yeah, the one on the PSP. PSP yeah, exactly. uh, One Minute Hero. Yeah, one, yeah, one Minute Hero, something like that. Yeah, One uh, Minute Hero. They re-released that on Steam now. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the box art was, like, absolutely abysmal. You had no idea what you were getting into. <laughs> and, then, and then they, and it's, and it's always, like, hit or miss, because you got stuff like, uh, what was it? Tank Wars or something like that? Did they yeah. PlayStation? That's um, Tank Wars. No, no, Metal Saga. Metal Saga. Oh, Metal, Metal Saga. Saga. Yeah. Metal Saga. Oh, my God. If you look, take a look at the box, you're like, what am I looking at? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. Because it's Atlas and I'll take a look at it. Right. But. Super interesting. You never get. But it's, and then you have other things like Entry and Odyssey. You know what you're getting into instantly. So, so speaking of art, that's a perfect segue, actually. Yeah. Um, so, I, so I was saying, like, my original cover, right? So the new cover, and it's on the back of my business card. Um, you're going to see it's like a knight on the back of a steed with fire and green, and it looks like it has nothing to do with video games. There was a book released back in the day called The Big Book of Nintendo Games that I think nobody had but, like, me. And it has this crazy dude, looks like a RoboCop visor with a lightsaber and, like, this crazy monster. It looks like it has nothing to do with video <laughs> games. And the thing is, is that this cover right here completely reminded me of it. I did the textile in the style that the textile was of that cover um, for the Hidden Gaming Gems. The artist from this, though, drew this in 1992 as the predecessor to Heroes of Might and Magic. He was learning his style. Mm-hmm. This has never been used on anything. And I have a game called Night and Grail that I covered for the Commodore 64. That's a homebrew game that by Cytronic Games. Mm-hmm. And it's an awesome platformer on the Commodore. And so I had, there's a night game in there. But the thing that's interesting is, is that um, I have a picture if you're trying to Google that book cover, by the way, the big book of Nintendo games. Um, but the guy that did is Mike uh, Winterbar, or Bar, I probably messed up Mike's name. Um, but he is Power Blade. He did Power Blade on the Nintendo. Like he, he, he does what he does for his art that he does. He does paintings. Mm-hmm. He draws himself like almost in like a like a bathing suit, and he takes a picture of it and then he paints it. So he took a picture of himself and then painted that as Power Blade. Wow. He has done lots of covers for the Nintendo, the Sega Genesis, and he's like, and he is the cover artist for Hidden Gaming Gems, and so it's a 1992 about. cover. On That's my awesome, book, man. like, I just go super retro and meta, and it was like, like, I have, like, artists, so my NES oddities is Philo Barnhart, who did Dragon's Lair art, and he did The Little Mermaid, and Beauty and the Beast, and he's an artist for Disney, and Down, you know, Down Blue Studios, and he did right. The Black Cauldron, and, okay. like, he did a lot of art, and that's one of my cover artists. My first NES book, Joe Simcoe, who does Garbage Pail Kids, mm-hmm. did that cover, and then you'll see on my banner the whole villain scene that he did that too the whole villain scene so i wanted to ask uh, your next book being the genesis book yep. are, will that cover also the add-on which is the sega cd uh, with it because it's technically so it is part of that system so my thing is is that lessons learned with this book going over 500 pages mm-hmm. makes it really really heavy to ship okay. um, and it makes things a little interesting so when they do ship 
they can get like damage and stuff. Mm. So the interesting aspect will be um, how big just the Genesis gets. Because I'm going to cover Sega Genesis license, unlicensed. I'm going to cover uh, PAL exclusives. I'm going to cover Mega Drive games that don't require Japanese to enjoy. The homebrew scene. So my NES, Odd- NES Oddities book, there's 500 NES homebrews, right? There's just as many Sega Genesis homebrews. So, and that's a, that's half of that 500-page book is yeah. NES homebrews. So, and I'm going to cover everybody's work because it's everybody puts in the passion and the time to make a unique game. Um, now, it's going to be categorized like the ones that are actual releases versus like the digital onlys will get its own a smaller section. Right. But like... So it's going to be pretty big. And, I mean, if I cover Sega CD, I need to cover 32X. Yeah. Um, I need to cover the Sega Net games, the Mega Net games, the Sega Channel, um, all the different accessories. Like, okay. it's going to be pretty deep. Uh, so you, you pretty much work on one book at a time? No. That's what I, <laughs> yeah, that's my next question. No. You work on multiple books at once. Yeah, and, uh, so so I got the Sega Genesis I'm working on. We're going to book for Walter Day. Um craziness that he's been going on aside nice. uh, I've been working on one based on his trading cards I've been working on it for a couple years now it's about done um, I'm working on the 1992 Culture Chronicles I've been doing each year I have 90 91 done um, and I'm working on like a you remember the old Worlds of Power books kind of where it was like Blaster Master and yeah, you have a little, little story mode in it, you know? and you'd be, able, thing, you'd be able to read about it and they actually mm-hmm. used the story from that in Blaster Master Zero on the Switch Thankfully. Yeah. yeah. yeah and that was um, awesome. I'm going to do one. It's called Twisted Realities, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do it based on indie games and homebrew games, and I'm working on a couple right now. The guys that do Henshin Engine, working on one for yeah. them. Um, that's all writing. That's going to take a long time because I don't have a whole <laughs> – I do it as a, as a hobby. I work full-time during the week. So uh-huh. <laughs> I guess this, this is the hobby. Um, and I just finished my April Fool's book. I'm going to oh, do a one-day Kickstarter for a book on April 1st. <laughs> Nobody thinks I can do it. The complete virtual boy. The complete virtual boy. It's 100 pages already. You're on it, man. Well, there's homebrew scene. The homebrew scene is big. Like, hyper fighting and, like, just bound high unreleased games. Like, um, Funny question here. Oh, thing I just want to mention. Talking about Blaster Master. Yeah. I would ask the audience. Have you guys played uh, Blaster Master Blasting Again yeah. for PlayStation? For the PS1? Such a great sequel. And yeah, nobody knows about. Very underrated. Yeah, very underrated. So I just it's not I only that, but people used to trash it. Yeah. People used it, to think oh, it yeah. was bad. Because it was 3D and all that stuff. I mean, it's They stuck. put it in the same category as Blaster Master 2 on the Genesis. What? Now that's, that game is no good. That I mean, game is injured that by good. water it's, in that it's game. Very, yeah. Like, it's, it's weird. Injured by water. Yeah. <laughs> like water drops and everything in the caves and everything. Yeah. It's weird. It's so, like, yeah. It's, acid. <laughs> acid caves. Exactly. It's a... Yeah, it's a well. It, the game is actually a true sequel to the original Blaster Master, and also could be considered a sequel to the one on the, that came out for the Switch. And it's just such a great game, and like I feel bad that a lot of people don't know about it. So I just really thought about. it. I thought I'd just mention it to you guys. And you guys can go out there hunting again, look for Blaster Master blasting again for the PlayStation. It probably cost you five, ten bucks the most. That could be a it's hidden gaming gem. It's a hidden it's gem. Definitely worth it. So, and that's the thing too is that like if I get enough people interested. Like, I have a lot of books that are sold out. Print runs are sold out, right? Mm-hmm. I will reprint, but usually I'll make them bigger. Like this one, I added another 130 pages. If I do the complete NES again, I'm probably, right now there's three games per page. I'll probably do like one game per page or two games per, probably do two games per page mm-hmm. and make it bigger, write a little bit more about each one. Maybe have contributors write their own piece too. Right. Um, but make it a little bit bigger, make it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And it'll be the same thing. Like, if Hidden Gaming Gems, like, I could do a volume two easily. I was already telling Reggie, I'm like, all right, so the the deadline's getting close, but it's like I already have like five games that aren't going to make the cut for me, and they're going to go in the next like the next That's book one. whenever I end up doing it, and it might be five years from now, it might be whenever, but if people want it, mm-hmm. I'll make it happen. It's like I do um something in my store at HagensAlley.com. I get the bookstore there. If you cl- you can click a button, remind me when it's in stock, and I get the email every time. So I get like emails every day of people like what they're interested in. I get enough. That's why I did the reprint of Super Nintendo. It was like every day I was getting like six, seven freaking clicks that people want the Super Nintendo book, and it was out of stock. I was like, all right, I'll take it to Kickstarter again. And like, and then like, if it hits a certain level, I'll add Super Famicom, and it hit that certain level. <laughs> and then like, all right, we're adding Super Famicom. And then it got crazy, and now it's 630 pages. 
Um, and then, of course, though, like me being me, doing it as a hobby, when I started to get popular, um, my first book was like, I, I think it cost me 60 bucks to print it or so, because I was self-printing, like print-on-demand stuff. Now I'm a published publisher and everything, so mm -hmm. it was like, I was charged 70 bucks for this small Nintendo book. Now it's like, this giant book, I'm charging 40 for it, because mm -hmm. I'm going to pay it forward immediately. And so it looks like on Kickstarter that I'm not earning as much or I'm regressing, when in all reality it's like, no, if you look at how many people, it's growing each time. But it's like, I'm charging less money. So I don't earn as much, but I'm still able to print as much, and I'm still able to have a good time and mm -hmm. make the games. And the thing to me is like, so if I charge $40 for this, everybody can get it, put it in their, in their collections and mm -hmm. enjoy it. Like, yeah. if everybody enjoys it, that's the best compliment you can have as an author. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody can enjoy the books. And then, like, my smaller books, like, I have the compendiums of personal stories that we've done. Yes. Those are $20. And they're, like, full color, like, giant art books. Yep. Like, and it's just, like, $20 little t coffee table book. And to me, like, anybody could enjoy that. Definitely, man. And that's how newer kids can get our history. So, quick question here. Sure. Now, I'm the type of person, I prefer a physical copy. I prefer to actually have the game, and I prefer to play it the way it was intended to be played. Yep. That's just... How I've always been. Correct. Not everyone's going to be able to do that. And one of my things is that we, with the whole new Nintendo trying to take down a lot of the emulation stuff, what's your take on that? Because I mean, some of these games, you I can't even get on virtual consoles, some of the stuff you can't get again, some of the stuff you may ne never see again, if, if you, especially yeah. if some of that stuff just disappears. Oh, I got a lot of opinions on you do too. And I got a theory. So, <laughs> why Nintendo cracked down? Because the Switch got hacked. Yeah. Done. Oh, you're, you you hacked our current gen console? All right, we're within taking y'all down. Within a year, too? Like, it, it was within months of it getting hacked. Months? Oh, within wow. months of it getting hacked. Wow. Now, all of a sudden, they're going after all these sites. There's no coincidence here. Um, now, pirates are going to still exist. Yeah. Pirates are going to exist. We're, they're still going to be able to share stuff. Mm -hmm. You'll still be able to get the stuff. It won't be as easy as going to Emu Paradise and downloading this stuff easily. Um, but, like, it's still going to exist. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see where things go, though, because, like, Nintendo's cracking down on emulation, but really they're just preparing, protecting their investment. Look, emulation, I used to emulate a lot before I, I got a lot of my games just to try them out and enjoy them. You know what I mean? Emulation is brilliant, and it's helped preserve a lot of games. I mean, you think about the arcade games that are out there, MAME. If MAME didn't exist, man, a lot of these arcade games would have been lost. Oh, and, yeah. You know, it's, Even it's, Ninja Turtles, too. I mean, you can't, unless you have bought that, ver that version that was very short-lived on the 360, good luck finding it. Yes, exactly. You're, 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 yeah. you're right. So it's, it's a... Now, like, in the arcade scene, I feel like emulation also doesn't compare to the playing it in the actual oh, arcade. Great. And, like, yesterday at the arcade with Brian Cohen, the creator of Rampage, watching him watch people play his game like right. a proud father. Um, we were talking about him, like, look at this guy now. He has to consciously make the decision to put the quarter in the, in the machine or move on and do something else. And it's interesting watching each person's reaction. But with, like, an emulator, just click a million quarters and you can play forever. It's a different style of playing. You can right. beat every game from the 90s because it was redemption style. You just kept playing. And, and a lot of those games were meant to take your quarter. Like they had like yeah. certain, I won't say glitches, but they were, they were certain hard. You had to memorize them if you were going to like maybe like play a game on a quarter or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. To save your money. But those, those games were meant to take your quarter, so they were like really hard. So. so then emulation, it does save it, but it also isn't quite the exact experience either. So the physical aspect... <laughs> is still very, like, the way I have to do it. So when I play this game, I have to play it on the real hardware. Like, when I play every game for the book. But I will play it on an EverDrive or something, or right. an SD yeah. to SNES, because that way it makes it easier for me, especially time-consuming, if I had to switch out each cartridge, or I just fire up the next one on the, ROM, on the actual ROM list and play through it. So it makes things easier. Because would I be able to play every Genesis and bring my whole collection with me in the airport? I can now. But I have the EverDrive MD, which I need to upgrade it. But I have the EverDrive MD, um, and I can sit there and just knock through and then write about each game as I'm playing it. What's cool about some of those EverDrives is that you can add, like, a, I think there's, like, at least on the Super Nintendo one. The SD, a, the SNES. You can add, like, music, to like, certain music to certain games, like, the, like enhanced versions of music. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. I, I covered that in the book, too, for sure. But the okay. SD to SNES has this MSU1 sound chip in mm -hmm. it. And basically what you can do is it makes the files gigantic, 
but you can play Mega Man X with metal, the metal music playing, mm-hmm. or you can play, um, for example, Rock and Roll Racing with the actual licensed songs playing. Nice. Like, Bad to the Bone is actually Bad to the Bone <laughs> and not a 16-bit rendition. Now, I enjoy 16-bit renditions. I love that stuff. But playing, like, like Mega Man X was the one where it hit, or, like, Legend of Zelda right. with the <clears throat> orchestra playing, yep. and then there's the anime cutscenes in there. Um, digitized, of course, because it plays on the Super Nintendo, but it's, like, it's outstanding. Really? It sure and, is. Yeah, and it's, like, it just plays inherently, and, like, people can hack as many games with as many soundtracks as they want. Like, if some of these bands that were playing last night, like Super Madness, mm-hmm. want to put their game, like, their Super Nintendo cover onto a Super Nintendo game, they could do that. They could do it. Yep. They could do that. Now, they wouldn't be able to release that because I think the SDSNS costs like $200 or something with that board. Like, it's crazy expensive. <laughs> yes. That would not be a, a feasible release for, a, <laughs> for somebody. But, but, like, it would still be really cool. Definitely. It would be really awesome. Totally agree. But, yeah, it's, like, it's one of those things where it goes forever, like, the retro gaming. Like, there's so many yes. cool things that people are doing. And, mm-hmm. like, that's where, like, I could literally go forever with different book releases, different ideas. I got a million ideas, just no time to do it. And that's the thing. Right. So I'm just going to keep on trucking on with these releases. That's, that's the key. Like I said, you're doing multiple books at once, so, you know, mm-hmm. you're, getting, you're getting more done. You know, well, so. well, you know why I do multiple books, right? There's some that authors call call it. They call it, um, we get writer's block. So if I'm sitting there writing about every Genesis game, and I'm like, damn, I just don't feel like writing today. All right, let me go format and do layouts, work on this other book that I'm working on. And I start working on the layout work for this one. And then when I you know, hit another one, I'll start writing again a little bit here go. and there. I've been writing my own like memoirs like for a while now, just the you know a life of the growing up with games and like our ev- my evolution as I played and watching games grow up with mm-hmm. myself. Like it's gonna be a unique aspect from my perspective. But um, it was um, Rob String Strangeman Strangeman mm-hmm. from uh, Florida. He did Diary of or Memoirs of a Virtual Caveman. He's like, dude, you gotta do your own memoirs book. And like his one was like popular, and he was like just he's just a gamer. Like, he wrote about his life and gaming and stories. Oh, should do something like and that. And it's super yeah, cool. Inspiring like, me. You absolutely, absolutely should. Like, everybody should put down. If you have the passion to, to get down all your stuff, like... And it's hard writing about everything, but I've, like, jogged my memory, especially through, like... Because VGBS Gaming Podcast that I've been doing, we're on episode 96 now. But my cousin has spurred my memory so many times, just talking and reminiscing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I remember that story now. Like, right. where, like, my cousin and I played Nintendo in my backyard in a tent and we like wired it from my barn over to our tent so we could play Nintendo we brought the TV out there because my dad was such a light sleeper he would yell at us playing games on the weekend so we'd go outside in the backyard in the tent playing Nintendo just so we could play like that stuff is crazy the, the lengths right. we would go so we could play games all night and be wow. loud and like like those kind of stories though like did anybody else have that experience I don't think so but you never know somebody else would be like holy shit I did the same damn thing right right. it would be crazy yeah see Dirk over here says this guy right here just some (laughs) crazy stuff and it's like and like I had a pong machine growing up like that was from the my parents had in a closet that I I found later like Super Pong it was Atari Super Pong okay it was a a sequel to Pong yeah the second release Xbox came out. Yeah. And it's fun telling these kids stories about bringing your Xbox to school, this big, heavy Xbox, bringing it to school to have a LAN because you, you know, you could actually LAN your stuff together back then. Yeah. So we have our CRT TVs, LAN, LAN everything. Oh my God, LAN is so. And that's a super cool story. Is like, yeah. I just remember like having a LAN party where we had four Xboxes in four different rooms, but then when you would kill something, they're like, Mother effer! You hear him yell at you in the other room. You're like, ha ha, bastard! I got you. Like, because we, because you couldn't have the TVs all in the same room because nobody had the giant rooms like we right. have now, where we have gaming rooms. We we're literally in one dude's house, and it was like, it's so cool being able. Because nowadays you have it with the headsets, yeah. but like you could literally hear the guy and then go in the room and yell and get in his face. Like, ah, I got you. Like, dude, I had no. Yeah. In the different rooms. How'd you get me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, land is so important, man. I had no idea how, how important land was until a lot of like games went offline and uh, you couldn't play them in that multiplayer mode anymore. I wish every game that's online should have some kind of like 
like co-op too has some kind of land connection so you could do that online experience I, th- I think that's where like hackers and pirates are going to keep yeah. the next generations alive because like with the Scott Pilgrim thing somebody's going to have to hack backward compatible and hack <laughs> that thing to make the game available well, again this, and it's so like, here's some somewhat good news about Scott Pilgrim the, the creator of the comic book is trying to get it together he's trying to get it to come back the only thing that's hurting them is the, the music rights yeah. for the game. That's the only thing that's like messing everything up. So, uh, yeah. Hmm? yeah. I don't know. It, oh, there they are. Yeah, that's the band who did them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's and, like, dude. And like, so like two weeks ago, I had uh, Ben from Limited Run Games and they're working it too. They're trying to get so they can do a physical release. Like, he's it's like, dude, yeah. dude, dude yeah. like, we've been working on it forever. Like, they're probably backing the guys that are working on it. Right. Like, they're literally just trying to make it happen. Because mm-hmm. they like, they, they love that game too. Yeah, it, it's all. Talking about a band that actually like does like pod music, like lead music for podcasts. Yeah, right? I mean, how difficult would it be for a it, it, it gets really weird, man. When when it comes to bands, you know, sometimes companies they'll redo the music themselves. But even with that, people will complain. So they want everything to be how it was originally. So they've been working on it for uh, since for I think about three years now. So uh, damn. Yeah, I mean, well, kind of like ever since the game went out, out got pulled from the store. So yeah. I have a feeling that gonna, we're going to get something good. I don't know when, but it'll it'll come back to us. But that's a unique aspect where we're in too with the internet is we can voice our opinions. and yeah. companies listen. But if you want a game that's like Scott Pilgrim, there's a game called Ninety Nine Vitas, and uh, that is the probably the closest thing you'll get to Scott Pilgrim at some point. What system is that for? It's for the uh, physical for PS4 and the Vita a physical as well, and of course you could download it. Have you tried the River City, uh, River City Ransom game on the on Steam? That's actually multiplayer and actually kind of decent. River City Ransom Melee? Uh, no, 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 it's, not it's a another one. It's, it's, oh, uh, Underground. Uh, Underground, yeah. That's Underground. Right. I have not played it yet. Uh, yeah, I have not played Underground. I got Melee um, a couple weeks ago. It's actually pretty good. Really? It's uh, it still has a lot of the same mechanics from River City Ransom. But, Interesting. Uh, I would say it does take some getting used to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going back to it again, but, you know, I've, I've loved River City Ransom for way too long. So. That's where, like, when uh, so when I was talking with Sergio about justifying River City Ransom, I was like, well, what about the Kunio Kun games for the Super Famicom that are basically the sequel to them right. that nobody really knows about? Yep. Like, he's like, oh, that would have been good candidate, good candidate, too. I'm like, it's a real hidden gaming chat. Most people forget that Renegade and Double Dragon are technically part of that series. Yep. yep. Absolutely. You are. You're right. I'm one of those few people that enjoyed Double Dragon 4. I loved it. Oh, I, I um, thought it was good. Double Dragon 4 was, was actually... It's a tribute to Double Dragon 2, which is well, one of my actually, top 10 NES It's actually a, a better game if you look at it. Look at it like this. Holistic Double Dragon 4 came out after a little bit after Double Dragon 2 and 3, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody would have said this game was the best Double Dragon ever. Yeah. I mean, seriously. you got to think... I, that's how I look at it. You know, a lot of people who reviewed that game said, like reviewed it as a game, a new game being released in this day and age, you know, like, you know. Well, I never get a chance to play Double Dragon Advance that uh, was actually released on con- that list. That was actually surprisingly good. That was actually considered one of the best Double Dragons ever. Yep. Yeah, they, they, I think it, it actually got re-released on Steam recently, but did they it? called it something different. It was, uh, it was, it's like a mixture between Double Dragon 1 and 2, the yeah. arcade games, so they added, like, a bunch of levels and bosses in it. Yeah, it's a really good game. That, that being said, you did break Double Dragon 1 in the arcade yesterday at the arcade bar. Yeah, we, we were playing the game, and, you know, I was so just, we were pumped up, you know, got through it. Last level. Got to the last level, and one of the guys that we beat up glitched, and we thought it was okay. He was all, oh, we'll just walk past, and we kept going, fought some other guys, and the next thing you know, that thumb didn't tell us where to go, and we were just stuck there, so the game. God, so, my buddy got, got this, uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. <laughs> she witnessed. Uh, and so we were playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and one of, one of the characters glitched and got stuck at the top of the stairs. Mm. The other character could move freely, and so he's running down the stairs, seeing if we can't shove the other character down. All of a sudden, my character skips to the front. His character is like zips past like hyper speed seven or eight times. <laughs> <laughs> they were surrounded by enemies. Wow. so bad. I had never thrown up from laughing before. That's hilarious. Oh, man. It's one of those things that's crazy. It's like know, the right? glitches are fun, too. It's like finding something that the developer didn't intend you to find. All right. Like, that's what's really cool. And 
I mean, I've been beta testing a lot of the brand new games, the homebrew mm-hmm. stuff, and I've found some glitches, but it's like when you find it in a retail release that like really nobody's ever seen, it's really cool. Yeah. For sure. So is there any questions for myself or Reggie before we wrap up the panel? Like we're going to go ahead and um, wrap it up here? You guys, anything. Anything crazy about the book releases, yep. what we're doing next? What? Yeah, go ahead. I'm doing a lot of this research, you've seen a lot of the covers. Uh-huh. It's one of the things that appeal with books. There's a lot of games that never saw the covers for. You see the, the cartridge in the store? Yeah. You know, use a bookstore or whatever. What's the oddest cover that you think you found? Because it comes to mind for me is like Phalanx. I love that cover too. Yeah, I, think it's cool. I always called it Phalanx for some reason. Like I always mispronounce some of the game. Yeah, Phalanx is a is a. I mean, you got an old man on a banjo. Like, what is that story? You see tiny ship in the background. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What would be the oddest covers? Uh, it was cool. Actually, a funny story. One of my buddies, he had the game in box, and there was a guy with a banjo sitting down, and he, he went and took a picture. He looked exactly like the guy in the picture. When he you bought it. He went. He went and uh, took a picture with him. It looked exactly like the guy. It was amazing. So it was, it was hilarious. Holy cow! You know, uh, that cover is. Uh, I mean, it was looked on bad back then, but it's actually. Not, you look at it now. It's pretty cool. Now it's like hilariously bad. Like, <laughs> I mean, you got that stuff. You got um, Shaq Fu and Michael Jordan cast in the Windy City. Oh, and, oh man, yeah, like, tough enough. Yeah, they remastered Shaq Fu. Well, they didn't remaster it. They created no, actually, a new game. It's a new It's a beat 'em up now. More playable. It's really short, though. Short and sweet. So. Well, there's not more playable. First one wasn't playable at all. Like, <laughs> no, your first one wasn't playable at all, Shaq Fu. Like, Weird. I'm like the, I, I had it. You had it? For I had it growing up for the Super Nintendo. And oh, okay. That's the best like, version, too. Like, it's just so... And it's the best version that had one less character than the Genesis. Mm. The Genesis you could play as a little prince kid. But it's a fighting game, and it's like, when you move, it does like a little bit of like a motion. Like, when you move, like it does an inherent motion... Like, so it's like, it's not like one-to-one movement like you would in Street Fighter or Mortal right. Kombat. Like, so it's just, it's just sluggish. Yeah, they were definitely cashing in on his Oh, yeah, they, they were like... Because you know what, we put him on the cover, man, this game will sell. So. And it did. It did. And now we trash it. Yep. Just people want to destroy them all. Luckily, got a se- well, we got a semi-sequel or, or what do you call the new game a sequel or, or kind of like a remake kind of? Um, I mean, it's a brand new it's game. New they game. just not connected. It's just a brand new game. It's like that. a legend reborn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's, it. but it's a beat 'em up now, and it's it's apparently completely like '90s style. But they also beat 'em up would have been a better choice for the first game, as you know, first fighting games are like a you know what DLC they had for it, right? Yeah, Obama. Play as Barack Obama. Yeah. Going through, like, beating the shit out of people <laughs> with the Constitution of the United States. Like, <laughs> like crazy stuff, man. Cool stuff. Any more yeah. questions for us? That was a good one, though. That was excellent. That's it. That's it? All right, cool. Well, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. I'll feel free to stop by to shoot shit with us over yeah. at my table here in a little bit. Um, I got a few books left here, and I'm going to be heading out in a couple hours. I got a flight to hit. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys. Thanks.